0: Your subconscious mind has no ability to reject any idea, so be careful what you are thinking. Because if an idea gets in your conscious mind and you replay it habitually, over and over, and emotionalize it, it's going to seep into that operating system of the subconscious mind and you will become it. But that's a gift. It's actually a real benefit because it'll accept any positive idea. Welcome. You're listening to the Reprogram Your Mind podcast, and I'm your host, Todd L. Bowerly. You think between 60 and 70,000 thoughts a day, 98% of your life is controlled by habit. If you want to change your life, you have to start by changing how you think, think. When you change you, everything in life changes. If we can see it in our mind, we can hold it in our hand. Welcome, everybody. This is the Reprogram Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, Todd Bowerly. I am a mindset expert and coach. I am a success coach. I am a law of attraction coach. I help my clients all over the world learn how to think differently to get different results in their life. Because your mindset is the driving force behind the anything that you have in life, all of your results. It all comes from mindset, especially when you really understand how the mind and how this universe is set up to work in the first place. But I, I tell you what, I have a lot of people who don't believe that. There's a lot of people that want to tell me that their mind works differently than everybody else's mind there. And maybe it's because they are neurodivergent or they have ADD or there's something going on, my mind doesn't work that way. Well, I tell you what, your mind is the same as my mind and everybody else's mind out there. It all works the same way. Now, the details of that mind, how it's conditioned, obviously is going to vary greatly, but how it functions, how your mind functions is the exact same, no matter what. And I'm talking about people that may have impairments, that may have different diagnoses, that may have different Uh, different traumatic experiences and so they're, they're dealing with PTSD, I guarantee you your mind works exactly the same. There's fundamental concepts that when we zoom out far enough, we can agree that everybody's the same. Your heart beats and pumps blood throughout your body. You breathe in, it takes oxygen, and then that oxygen circulates for the rest of your body. Now, you might have problems with your lungs and need to be on a breathing machine, but still, oxygen needs to get into your blood and the blood needs to move around your body. Now you might have problems with your heart and you might need to have machinery that you're hooked up to, to be able to help you with that. But I will tell you what, everybody works the same, no matter what, without question, your body is going to need oxygen in order to survive. And blood is going to circulate that through it, right? So your body works the same. So does your mind without question your mind works the same as everybody else's and i want to explain in this episode exactly how your mind works because if you understand how your mind works then guess what then you can make changes to how you're thinking and then you can make changes to how you're acting and then you're going to see changes in the rest of your world that's why this is so important so hopefully we, we get past this idea that we're an exception, that our mind doesn't work the same way as everybody else's. Because without that, if you believe that your mind is different, then nothing else I have to say even matters. So let's talk about the principles of your mind. Now, these ideas that I'm going to share, you know, different people have talked about them in different ways uh, over time, and I'm going to try and simplify it for you. The way that I'm going to simplify it is really relying on the teachings that I had from my incredible mentor, the late, great Bob Proctor, whose voice is the last voice echoing in my intro. You know, Bob is, I think, the world's greatest teacher of professional development, of human potential, of prosperity that the world has ever seen. We just lost him this past February. He passed away. And Bob made a study of the mind because his results changed dramatically. In fact, any of Bob Proctor's real students, and I'm talking about the people who listened to what he had to say and applied it to their lives and saw a change in results, right? A student isn't just learning the concept and relating it to somebody else. A student has mastered it for themselves, and the only way you're going to tell if someone's mastered something is if their results change. So Bob's real students all understand how the mind works, and they put it into practice. It's not just an idea. They put it into practice. There are plenty of people who maybe have studied Bob Proctor or his mentor, Earl Nightingale, and understand these concepts, but they don't live it every day. These concepts are things that you have to live with every single day, and you must be finding the answers for how to connect all the pieces in your life. This isn't passive information. This is active information. We put it into practice. We are doers of the word and therefore change our results. And all of these students that understand the mind, they also have results to back it up that are very similar to Bob's results. So this episode is going to be a little bit of an homage to to Bob Proctor. And I want to share with you just the highlights of his life story and explain how he got this information because this information is out there. You guys have heard it. You've heard it in different ways, but Bob was a great researcher. He went out to study and and say, why does this happen? How can someone change their results dramatically? Bob actually didn't have a great education. He had a couple months of high school and then he had dropped out. And long, long ago, about 1960, he was working as a fireman in Toronto. He was earning about $4,000 a year and he owed six. He was miserable. He spent a lot of his time hanging out in bars. Uh, I think in later years he would admit, gosh, I think I was an alcoholic. And he wasn't a very happy person and it was obvious to everybody else. And he had a friend Well, I suppose you can call him a mentor. His name was Ray Stanford, who said to Bob, your way is not working. Why don't you try mine? And handed him a copy of the book, Think and Grow Rich, and said, read this book and do exactly as the author tells you, and it will change your life like night and day. And ever since that day, Bob read Think and Grow Rich. I think it was in October of 1961. He read it every single day of his life until his passing. And I, you know, I don't know, maybe in the last few weeks and things like that, he wasn't able to read, but like religiously, <laughs> that was, that was his study. That was his Bible to study. And there's a great story that I heard one time where, uh, you know, Bob lived in Toronto in the later years of his life. He was flying out to Phoenix, Arizona for an event. And his company was also based in Phoenix. And a lot of people that work for him are, are down in Phoenix. He, he flew out there. And when he landed, he goes, Oh my gosh, I forgot my copy of Think and Grow Rich. And now he could pick up a copy anywhere. He could, he could download it onto his iPad and he could read it, but he wanted his copy of his book. So he had someone from his company fly out, jump on a plane and fly out. So he had that book with him by that evening so he could make sure to be reading from that book every day because that was his habit. And here's what happened in, in Bob's life. Bob dramatically changed his results in terms of income. So he was earning $4,000 a year, he owed six and pretty quickly he started earning like $25,000 a year. I and mean, that was his first goal. He, he set a goal. He read Thinking Grow Rich. He set a goal of earning $25,000. Then all of a sudden it happened. And then he shot way past it, right? Then it was over six figures. And then all of a sudden he was earning over a million dollars. And I think that took about four years or so for him to be able to do it. Four years to go to, from $4,000 a year to over a million dollars a year is an incredible shift and change in results. Now, most people would have been happy with those results, but Bob said, I was never really satisfied with those results. I had to understand why. What happened? Why did I change so much? And you might ask, well, what did he do to earn the money? Well, he started a business. He, he left the fire department. He started a, a, a business, cleaning floors. He started out with in, in a very modest way with mops and some buckets Clean floors, bought floor machines, grew to a team, coached and led the team, and opened up offices all over the country and then over in England. So he was looking at this dramatic transformation results and wanted to know why, and he started studying. He started studying and learning from the world's best minds. And there were other mentors that he had. There was a man named Leland Val Vanderwall that was a mentor of his who he met after after speaking and they arranged a time to to catch up together. They spent three days where Leland shared with him everything about his philosophy of life. And Bob was just like an open mind, an open sponge to it. And so the first thing you need to understand when you start to understand your mind is this very first message that 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 Leland Val Vanderwall shared with Bob Proctor was this that you are a being that lives simultaneously on three planes of existence. You're a spiritual being, you have this intellect, and you live in this physical body. Right? So you're a spirit, you can think, you have an intellect, and you live in a physical body. That's who you are. I want to pause right here and say that if you are not developing on each plane of existence, you are not truly growing and living. You are meant to live spiritually, intellectually, and physically at your highest capacity. That's what I love so much about the work that I do with people is I, I strive to help develop them on all three planes of existence simultaneously. Any, any plan of growth is just going to be insufficient. It's not going to, to, to focus on each area of your being. So there's a part of you that's the spirit. And not that you have a spirit, not that you have a soul. You are spirit. You are energy. You're consciousness. There's a part of you that is beyond the physical realm. And that part of you is perfect. Now You have this incredible conscious ability to think, to intellectualize, to play with concepts in your mind. But at the same time, you live in this physical world. So you are not your body. You might think you are. You're not your body. You're not your thoughts either. The thoughts that come in flow from the spiritual, non-physical through your intellect and come out of your body. So you're not your thoughts either. What are you? You're the one that watches that you have thoughts. If you've ever tried to meditate and you see that your mind goes a million miles a minute and has all kinds of thoughts, you're not the thoughts. You're the one that's observing the thoughts that is who you are. You're that spiritual being that's behind it. So you have this gift of an intellect to play with these thoughts, and then you live in this physical body. You live on three planes of existence. Now, you might know that consciously, but are you living with that? Are you living with intention? Are you living tapped into your spiritual power at all times? Are you aware that you can control your thoughts with your intellectual faculties? Do you even know what those are? You probably don't. And you realize that your mind and your body is an instrument for taking a non-physical idea and bringing it into physical form. I mean, throughout all the history of life, we do that. I'm I'm talking on this fantastic microphone, this Shure SM7B microphone that started in, as a as a dream in someone's mind. There has to be some way that we can take. The, the sound of a voice or the sound of music or the sound of the environment and capture it. And people tried over and over until a microphone was made, until they found some way to take it and record it and replay it. That was an idea before it became physical. If you're listening on your phone or you've got your AirPods in, those were an idea in someone's mind. It was non-physical and through the gift of the mind, people found a way to turn it into physical form your mind is a tool of manifestation. Your mind is designed to take non-physical ideas and transform them into a physical reality. Why? Because that's who we are. We exist simultaneously on three planes of existence. And it's the intellect that we use to shape spiritual things into physical things. So what does your mind look like? I want you to think for a moment. What images come in to your mind, come on the screen of your mind to define what the mind looks like? Now, some people say, I, like, I have no idea. They're completely blank. I have no idea what the mind looks like. Some people might say, well, it's, it's the brain. The brain is the mind. And others would say, well, maybe it's flashing colors or, or wisps of smoke. Most people have no idea what the mind looks like. And here's the thing. How your mind works is your mind works in pictures. You can have pictures in your mind. It works in pictures and words. Words usually trigger pictures and images. Now, some people say that they can't see images and they don't think in pictures. And some people say, They don't think in words. They don't hear the words and their mind doesn't have words. And I will tell you that is nonsense. Everybody does because we all started as children. And as children, we had an imagination. We could see things in our mind that weren't real. We believed in things that didn't exist physically and we did it easily. We have lost that ability. Modern Western education has stripped us of our power to be able to really visualize and imagine things. But I tell you things, like, I tell you, our mind works in pictures. And you've heard this before. If I were to say the words Mona Lisa, almost everybody can see the Mona Lisa in their mind. Now, some people see it super clearly and other people just see, oh yeah, that woman in black that has kind of a weird smile and no eyebrows. Other people like, oh yeah, That painting in the Louvre because I've seen it. Other people have only seen it in pictures. So when I say that word, the word triggers something in your mind. Oh, Mona Lisa. Now, if you haven't seen the Mona Lisa or that's, that's, that's foggy, let's go to something that everybody has. I want you to imagine the front door to your home or your apartment or bedroom just imagine your front door. What does it look like? What color is it? What color is the doorknob handle? does it open in? Does it open out? Does it open from the right to the left or the left to the right? When you think about your front door, an image of that physical object comes on the screen of your mind and you can see it. And I don't think there's anybody in the world that can tell me that they, they don't see an image of their front door in their mind. And if someone's out there and we want to have a conversation, let me know. But what happened there? The words triggered an image. Your mind works in images and words. And here's the thing. We have no picture of our mind. And so if you want to change your mind or change how you're thinking and you don't have a picture to work with, you're going to be lost. And this is why people have therapy for years and never change anything because they're trying to change something. They have no picture and no understanding of how your mind works. I want to communicate a picture of your mind to you right now. This is one of the lessons that Leland Val Vanderwal taught Bob Proctor. He drew a little diagram. Now this diagram that I'm going to describe for you It was put together by a naturopathic doctor, a chiropractic doctor, about 1934. His name was Dr. Thurman Fleet. And he realized that in the healing arts, most people are treating symptoms and not causes. They're treating the body, but not the causes. And he wanted to demonstrate and articulate that the environment has an effect on our thoughts. And it's our thoughts and our emotions and our feelings that manifest in our body. The idea being holistic treatment would be treating someone's mind, right? The thoughts and the feelings that they have concurrently with whatever's happening in the body. So he drew this little diagram and it is called the stick person. There's no other fancy name for it. It's the stick person. If you followed me on social media, if you came across from TikTok or Instagram and you've seen the little golden statue that I've held up uh, and everyone's wondering, what is that form? It's just called the stick person. That's, that's all it is. No secrets there. This is what it looks like. Now, if you've ever played the game Hangman, you know what a stick person looks like. You know there's a circle for a head, and then there's a long stick body, and then there's a couple of arms and legs that come off of it. Well, it looks pretty close to that. I want you to picture in your mind right now a very large, round circle. And this circle is the head. And I want you to imagine just a little line coming down where the neck would be to a smaller circle underneath of it. And that smaller circle then has lines coming off for the arms and the legs. And that smaller circle underneath is the body. So you have a large circle on top and a small circle for the body. Now, that's not the way it is. The body is much bigger on a human being than what I'm describing to you. But it's designed this way on purpose, the large circle on the top as the mind, is the master. The mind is the master. The body is the servant. That's why it's smaller. The body is smaller than the mind. The body will do whatever the mind tells it to do. The the body executes the programming and conditioning and thoughts of the mind. Now in that big circle for your mind, in your imagination, I want you to draw a horizontal line, dividing it in half. You have a top half and a bottom half. And these are two parts of your mind. And I know that we could probably talk about all the different areas of your mind, but we're just going to divide it into two basic sections. The top part of your mind is your conscious thinking mind. This top half of the circle, we could call it your educated mind or your intellectual mind. You, you are listening to me right now with your conscious thinking mind. And you might have some argument going on with what I'm talking about. Whatever that inner dialogue or voice is, that's happening in your conscious mind. When we visualized your front door, it happened in your conscious mind. When you go to school and you read the books and you have to memorize something and remember it to pass the test, you're using your conscious thinking mind. It's why we also call it the educated mind. That's the top half. Now, the bottom half of this circle... Is your subconscious mind. And we can call it a lot of things. And a lot of people have fancy names for this unconscious mind, subconscious mind, superconscious mind. It doesn't really matter. There's part of you that is emotional. And that's the subconscious mind. It is your emotional mind. It's where your feeling comes from. It is also the part of your mind that is programmed and conditioned. So all of these mental models that we have about our life and about how the world works and who you are and what your identity is and what is good and what is bad, whatever your belief systems are, all of that is stored in your subconscious mind. The things that you cannot describe, but you feel, that's your subconscious mind. And now the subconscious mind also carries different programs like your ability to talk or walk or breathe or have your heart beat, to have your hair grow. All of that comes from the subconscious mind as well. So there's an aspect of your subconscious mind that is in control of your body. And I would say most of the times, all of our mind is, all of our body is controlled by the subconscious mind. And here's what I mean. Since the subconscious mind is about emotion, have you ever been angry and furious with another person and said something or done something or thrown something against the wall in a fit of anger and then go, what the hell am I doing that for? that's because your subconscious mind was more powerful than your conscious mind and your body executed that program. Most of our limitation, our doubt, our fear, our lack come from the conditioning in our subconscious mind. That's that bottom part of the circle. Now, all of the work that I do is to help people learn and understand the subconscious mind so they can change and adjust the programming. That's really all that I do. So let's come back to this picture of the the mind. You have the big circle with a horizontal line dividing it in an upper half and a lower half. That's your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. Now you've got the little body that's attached to it. Now, on top of the the head, or on top of the mind, connected to the conscious mind, there are these five little lines. Sometimes they look like little crosses or little antennae that are connected to the top of the conscious mind. There's five of them, and those are your physical senses. You have five physical senses that connect you with the physical world. And some people say you have a lot more than five senses. No, you don't. People who say that don't understand their mind, so don't listen to them. Well, but you have your sixth sense or you have your uh, clairaudience or clairvoyance and all of these other things. Those are not senses. Those are intellectual factors. People that say that their senses do not know what they are talking about, and you probably shouldn't listen to them. You have five physical senses that connect you with the physical world. It is your sense of sight, your smell, your hearing, your touch, and your taste. Those five senses connect you with the outside world. They tell you what's happening around you. So you see something or hear something, and that message comes directly from the outside environment into your conscious thinking mind, where now you are thinking about what's happening outside of you. And if you don't like what you're seeing or hearing on the outside, or you react in a certain way, that information that came in through your senses that you're thinking about in your conscious thinking mind, if you get emotionally involved with it, it's going to start to move into your subconscious mind. Now it's going to start driving your behavior, creating your programming, or reinforcing the programming that's already there. You see, our mind doesn't work independent of the outside world. These five physical senses, some might see them as a curse, but they're actually a huge gift because it helps you see where you are in your life. It helps you see what the results are so that you can modify and change your behavior so that you can adjust. And sometimes this becomes maladaptive where we feel like we have to respond in certain ways to keep us safe. Sometimes based on all the information coming in from the outside world, we develop ideas that are not true. We are not thinking clearly just based on what happens on the outside. And what I'm talking about is things like abuse, trauma, these things that happen on the outside of us over a sustained period of time, constant exposure to that environment. What are you thinking about? You're thinking about all the trauma all the time. And the trauma is dangerous, it's scary, it's threatening, it is unsafe. And so you can't help but get emotionally involved with it. And over a long time of these events and circumstances, these traumatic events and circumstances happening outside of you, it goes into your conscious mind and you think about it over and over and over. Now, here's the thing about our mind is whatever's playing in our conscious mind, we can expand. The more emotional we get involved with it, the bigger it can be. So many times the memory of our trauma is even worse than the trauma itself. And, and now we are re-traumatizing ourselves whenever we remember it. And we replay this trauma over and over in our mind. And it is the repetition and emotional involvement of an idea in the conscious mind that pulls it into the subconscious mind, that makes it a part of your programming and conditioning. If you have been exposed to messages from the outside world saying that you are not good enough and you are not worthy, and you think about that all the time, it is the repetition of the idea in the top part of that circle and the conscious mind, and then getting emotionally involved with it, pulling it down into the emotional mind, the subconscious mind that turns it into a program. It turns it, it's like installing. It's installing a computer program in you. All the messages say you're not good enough. That's all you're thinking about. I am not good enough right? We're identifying it. We're using the most powerful words we have, which are I am. I am not good enough. And now you feel that way and you think that way with repetition and it becomes a program in your subconscious mind. And then how do you act? You act like you're not good enough. You act in alignment with that thought that came from the outside world. And that's how you're programmed. That's how your mind works. Bruce Lipton says that up to 60% of our programs are limiting, are self-limiting in some way or another because that's how it happens. We're just not aware of it. We're not aware of it and we don't know how to change it. I talked about how you were programmed in episode one. I talked about how to identify the program and how to start shifting it in episode two. And in episode three, we talked about the different methods of reprogramming your mind. But now with this episode, now you can start to see how your mind works and see some of the pieces starting to slip together. So it's starting to make more sense. At least I hope that it is for you. We do become what we think about. Right? The thoughts that we think in our conscious mind over and over and mix with emotion we become. This is not new knowledge. You've heard of it. It's been written in the Bible since the very beginning. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The thoughts you think in your conscious mind and get emotionally involved with in your subconscious mind that become a part of your programming, you will act in alignment with, and then you will become it, and you will get the results that are totally in alignment with those thoughts, those feelings, those beliefs, those programs, and those behaviors. And that becomes your life. What's really happening is the ideas that play in your conscious mind they just seep into your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind must accept any idea that is replayed in your conscious mind with repetition. It has no power to reject an idea. And in fact, if you were to imagine something, your body doesn't, doesn't know the difference between what's real and imagined. That's how your subconscious mind works. It takes in threats from the outside. And whether it's it's real or exaggerated, your body's going to react the same way. It's going to take it as real. Your subconscious mind has no ability to reject any idea, so be careful what you are thinking. Because if an idea gets in your conscious mind and you replay it habitually, over and over, and emotionalize it, it's going to seep into that operating system of the subconscious mind and you will become it. But that's a gift. It's actually a real benefit because it'll accept any positive idea. Do you see how this starts to work? If you were to listen to empowering motivational things, if you were to take an idea... That you were happy, that you were healthy, that you were wealthy, and you were to replay that in your conscious mind over and over and over again and get emotionally involved with that, your subconscious mind has no choice but to accept that new idea. It has no choice. It's like the earth. You could plant nightshade, a deadly poison, and then a foot away, plant corn. And the earth is going to provide both in abundance it doesn't matter what you plant. The earth is going to grow it, is going to magnify it with abundance. Your mind does the same way. And you have a gift. Actually, you have six gifts in your intellectual mind that you can use to control what you are thinking about, to choose which seeds you are going to plant in your subconscious mind so that they grow. These six gifts. They're your superpowers that no one talks about. No one really understands because this intellectual part of your mind, the conscious part of your mind, you can choose to accept or reject an idea that comes in from your senses. You have these powers to change the ideas that are in your conscious mind. If you understand and learn how to use them, in fact, I don't believe you can reprogram your mind if you don't understand how to use these. So I don't want to leave you in suspense. I want to, I mean, we could spend an entire pocket, multiple pocket, we could spend a season talking about each one of these because they're so amazing and most people aren't aware of how to use them. But I want to tell you what they are right now so that you start to grow an awareness. So if we go back to this picture of your mind, that big circle with the line, horizontal line drawn through it, the top half is your conscious mind, your intellectual mind, the bottom half is your subconscious mind, you have your small body attached to it, and your conscious thinking mind has these five physical senses, these little antennae sticking out from the top of it. As information comes in through those senses, your conscious, educated, intellectual thinking mind, that top half of the circle, has six superpowers that it can use to accept an idea or reject it or shift an idea from negative into positive. And here they are. Number one is your imagination. Your ability to create images in your mind, either new images that have never seen the world or images combined from other ideas. You can piece these images together. You can create whatever you want to in your imagination. It's where you have to create the vision of your life that you want, it's your greatest creative faculty that you have. And the people who live from imagination are the people that mold reality into what they want it to be. You know, the microphone that I'm talking about, the phone that you have in your pocket, the AirPods you're listening to, the car that you drive, the house that you live on, it all started in someone's imagination in the very beginning. How are you using your imagination? Most people use their imagination against them because they envision the the worst case scenario over and over again. Number two is your will. Now, I'm not talking about your willpower to force things to happen. Your will is like a magnifying glass. It's your focus. It's your ability to pay attention. And you get to choose what you pay attention to. Certainly, you want to be aware of what's happening in the outside world and coming in through your senses. But you don't want to get emotionally involved with it, especially if those results are not in harmony with what it is that you want to create and what it is you want to be thinking about, you need to be able to focus your mind on the thoughts that you choose. And most people do not have the ability to control their focus and their attention. Now that comes from strengthening the will. Now, next up is your intuition. And these are not in any particular order, but I'm talking about them in this order. Intuition is your ability to receive ideas, inspiration, promptings, for how to act. Everyone has a gut feeling. Your gut feeling comes from your intuition. And that intuition speaks in terms of inspiration. What is inspiration? Inspiration is a communication that is in spirit, non-physical. Remember, you are a non-physical being. You are a spirit. So it makes sense that communication needs to come through intuition, inspiration. That is your ability to receive and decode messages, okay? So you've got your gut that you listen to. Next up, you've got your memory. Your memory is the intellectual faculty that you use against yourself most often when you traumatize yourself. Your memory is the thing that you use against you when you think of all the negative experiences that you've had instead of focusing on the positive ones. Everyone has a great memory, most of the time it's just untrained. When you can train your memory in the right way to focus on the positive things in life, the positive experiences where you've met challenges and and overcome them, you can use that to to fuel you forward. You know, I'm I'm using the gift of my memory right now because I've studied the mind for so much. I don't have a script. I don't prepare these things. I sit down and I just kind of transmit these ideas and I latch onto ideas from my memory and I use my intuition and I just I just am a conduit for this because I've trained myself so well. Next up, you have your reasoning mind. Now, your reasoning mind is your ability to think and your logic. Now, I will tell you something about your reason and your logic is most of the time it is controlled by the subconscious mind. That's the thing. Your, your programming, your conditioning can play with your logic and twist it in certain ways. So, that you don't really understand, you know, you're not really thinking clearly. Your reasoning is lazy. Your reasoning is faulty. Your reasoning, actually, you're not using. When you think you're being logical, chances are you're just repeating things that other people have said and you're using other people's rationales and ideas and really their conditioning and programming, and you're just agreeing with it. You're not actually thinking logically when you're using what you believe is your reason. You know, your reason is a gift that you can use to look and analyze and pull apart uh, different situations and ideas. You can you can take uh, large ideas and break them into smaller ideas, or you can take smaller ideas and put them together to create larger ideas. Your reasoning faculty is really powerful when it's when you're using it, when you're actually thinking. And then the last one that I'll mention here is your perception. Number six is your perception, your ability to change the way that you look at something. And Wayne Dyer said it best. In his book, The Power of Intention, when you change the way that you look at something, that thing changes. Right? This is how we can we can look at something from one angle and we see a problem, and we look at it from another angle and we see a solution. And and really, our gift at transmuting a negative event and circumstance in our life is about looking at it from a different angle, from a higher view of consciousness, from the God's eye view to see what's happening in our world. Using these six creative intellectual faculties, we can finally gain control over our conscious mind. We can put our hand on the wheel of our lives and we can start to change and shift the programming by choosing what ideas we accept and which ones we reject. So when I have people that tell me my mind does not work like everybody else's, I ask them, which part of this do you not have? Now, some people may have limitations in their senses. So are you missing some senses? Because if you don't have any of them, I can see how your mind would work differently, but everybody's got some kind of sensory experience if you have senses, then what part of your, of your mind do you not have? Do you not have a conscious thinking mind? No, no, you have that. Do you not have a subconscious mind? And some people say, well, my subconscious mind is not programmable. And I would just challenge again and say, have you ever done something that you regret and go, why did I do that? Your subconscious mind did it. And if anybody is alive and breathing and has a heart beating, they have a subconscious mind that's at work. And then a body, do you have a body? I think you have to have a body to be here physically. Now, every mind is the exact same. You can say, well, I don't have good use of the mental faculties, the creative faculties. Well, that's a whole other thing. Skill at using your mind is a lot different than not having the faculties. Everyone has an imagination. Everyone has the ability to focus and use their will. Everybody has intuition. Everybody has a memory. Everybody has reason. And everybody has perception. You have that ability. It's just not used. It's just not trained. Your mind and my mind in everybody else's mind works exactly the same to different degrees for certain based on skill, based on knowledge, based on training, based on practice, based on the application and use of these ideas, the quality of the mind can vary differently. But if your mind works the same way as well as everybody else's, then guess what? You can use your mind the same way as everybody else. And there are some people that use their mind to create incredibly beautiful lives and change their results and their conditionings. And there are others that just leave it on autopilot and let the subconscious mind and the conditioning that came from the outside world control their life. It's up to you. But if you're ever going to change your life, you have to start by changing your mind first. And that's understanding the stick person. This is an episode I think you should listen to over and over again. Because you're going to get something out of it every single time. And you might know this concept intellectually. You might play with this idea in the conscious part of your mind, in that top part of that circle. But until this idea... Until you get emotionally involved with this idea through repetition and excitement and get this into your subconscious mind and learn to live from this, you are not gonna change your programming. That much I can guarantee. This is a powerful, powerful lesson. On the next episode of the podcast, I'm gonna teach you about the greatest principle in learning and changing your life and reprogramming your mind. And this is the law of repetition. We become what we think about most of the time. So we better have our mind filled with what we want most of the time. Thanks for tuning in. And if you felt this was beneficial, I strongly encourage you that you leave a rating for the podcast or leave a review to help bring other people to this information so that they can wake up as well. We'll see you on the next broadcast.